Bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. And we are going to be talking about the sissifying of Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, this this idea of what Jesus looks like. And that's important. That's important. And and what Jesus looks like. And, and some have Jesus, you know, this meek and mild Jesus that wouldn't do a thing, that you know, wouldn't harm a fly. Or this Jesus that um, that has a lamb wrapped around his around his shoulders and he's just walking around going from church to church or going from city to city you know with the, with the lamb wrapped around his chest with uh, uh, around his shoulders with you know with this l- certain look on his face but I, I want to again shock you into looking at the scriptures because oftentimes what we actually believe and what is actually preached in the church is totally not what the Bible really teaches or what the Bible says in the view of most Western American Christians, Jesus is a European, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, metrosexual, European-looking man, <laughs> looking as if he never worked with his hands a day in his 33 years, or walked a mile in on the dusty roads of Israel and Jerusalem and, and Judea. We have this idea that Jesus is 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 removed from his culture, removed from society, and that he wasn't physically formed. In the culture. And it's important for us to look at scripture to really understand how how the humanity of Christ is so important to how you view him and how you understand him. 
If all you have in your mind about who Jesus is, is the fact that he's a he's carrying a lamb and he's this nice guy, he's this blue-eyed, this blue-eyed, blonde-haired, you know, shampoo model of a, of a God, um, you know, or of a man, or, or, or God became this shampoo model with manicured fingernails and, and everything, you know, not one hair out of place and, and uh, you know, just this, this perfect human in the, fat, in the natural, then I think we're missing the boat. And I, and I think that's part of the problem with this 11th commandment Christian is they have this picture, this idea, this idol in their mind of a Western Christian Christ shaped and formed by the media, shaped and formed by culture, shaped and formed by, by human minds. And we, we don't look at scripture. You know, Jesus worked. Okay, and that's why I played this clip by by um, uh, Jerry Boykin, okay, from uh, RightWingWatch.org, uh, uh, this organization, because he was preaching on on manhood again. That we must look at Jesus as a man. What did he do? He was a carpenter. He was a worker. He, he you know, he he blended in. And and we're gonna look at some scripture so you can see this is what Jesus looked like. Okay, this is what Jesus looked like. From Scripture, not what, not what, uh, not what the, um, not what the the artists of today or yesterday, you know, have developed this this picture of, again, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, Jesus, long hair, flowing down, you know, nothing out of place, you know, beautiful hands. Listen, listen, Jesus was a worker. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was a manual labor type of man. He knew how to work with his hands. He knew how to lift things. You know, and I've been to Israel twice and we walked quite a bit. And there were some hills and mountains. There's some hilly areas in there that, you know, people were actually uh, getting so winded walking around Jerusalem and Israel. And um, and it, he is, uh, this uh, Jerry Boykin is absolutely correct when you, you, you remove Jesus you know, from his uh, culture and you remove Jesus from the environment of having to walk and work and climb and cut trees down and to, and to uh, make whatever they were making in that day. It's important for you to realize that I must see Jesus clearly for who he is, not from the culture, not from what my mom told me, not from, you know, not from my flannel board. And those of you that are, those of you that are a little bit older, like me, you, you, you were raised in Sunday school. You went to Bible Bible uh, classes in the morning. We called it Sunday school. And um, we had flannel board Jesus. And flannel board Jesus had this long brown hair, this nice trim beard, you know, all, all cut and groomed. His, I mean, he just looked, you know, with blue eyes, piercing blue eyes. You know, it, it didn't matter what culture you were in. If you had a flannel board Jesus, you know, you you went and you learned your Bible stuff. Uh, uh, classes or Bible uh, lessons from flannel boards, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. This westernized image of what Jesus looks like. And we carry that into, we carry that into our real belief systems, never really looking at scripture. And this is what I want us to do in order to break the 11th commandment mentality of thou shalt, thou shalt be nice, or that is, you know, that we need to be nicer. You have to look at who Jesus is from scripture and pull out the image of what the Bible describes him. Isaiah 53, one through three says this, watch this. 
Who believed our report, and to whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. He's talking about how where he was born, how he was going to be born, right? And out of the dry and out of the root, out of a dry ground. He has no form, no comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Again, we start looking at a man that you wouldn't even look at or take a second look at him. That's important for you to understand. Okay? That's important for us to understand. Here we have this westernized, again, this this shampoo model, um, you know, type of Jesus, you know, with, with brown flowing hair and blue, crystal blue eyes and, and this smile that, that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a sparkle in the tooth. You know, we, you know, we got this idea. This who Jesus is carrying a little lamb with the little shepherds, with the, with the shepherd's rod with him, right? That that's the idea, and that man would never confront everybody. That Jesus would not confront or hurt anybody or say anything ill because he's got a lamb and he's got a and he's got a shepherd's hook in his hand and he just got a robe and a and a and a white and, and you know and a, and a white robe on and and he would never do anything. And you know what? We have to get out of that mentality. We have to get out of what we've been told and start looking at what Scripture says about who, what Jesus looked like. Okay, and Isaiah gives us this idea of what Jesus looks like when he says he has no form or comeliness. Okay, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with griefs, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Now, again, that, that's my new King James. Now, let's look at the Message Bible, okay? Let's listen to what it says. It says, who believes what we, we've heard and what we've seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would, would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant, a parched field. Now, these are all symbolics of, you know what? There was nothing to him physically. There was nothing that you would, you would say, this is God, okay? Okay, a scrubby plant in the parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was, look, he was looked down on Passover, and passed over a man who suffered and who knew pain firsthand one look at him and people turned away we looked down on him thought thought he was scum that is what the message bible says isaiah 53 1 through 3 now that is a picture that is a that is a uh, a, a picture okay of who jesus is again what does that do to the western picture that you have in your mind of who jesus is this one, the, the scriptures say you wouldn't even look at him twice, okay? I mean, if you, I mean, make something that, wow, he was this great athlete, he was this superhuman, and, and no, no, his power came from the Holy Spirit. His power came from his relationship with God, okay? His power came. They didn't expect, they, they expected it to come from the flesh. It didn't. That's what he's saying. It, it, it's, it's that you get this idea and you get this picture from Samson. You get this picture, you know, where they wonder where his strength came from. Because, you know, you know, if you look at the flannel board, the way we were raised, the way we thought Samson was this huge man. Well, if he was this huge man, then you knew where his strength came from. What were they trying to figure out? They were trying to figure out where did he get his supernatural strength. So God begins to unfold that he's that he hides his strength in weak vessels. And so here Jesus does not come to us as this massive as this massive uh, good-looking 
man. We have him where he blends into the culture that you wouldn't even think twice. You wouldn't even look at him twice. That's important because it begins to shatter these, these, ide- these ideologies that are passed down from generation to generation. Stop looking outwardly to find Christ. Start looking in the scriptures because he's described. He's described on why they, they crucified him. It's described why people look beyond him because that he was nothing to take a second look at. So take that, take that image of Jesus that you may have in your mind and begin to reform it okay because we're going to we're going to come back to the to the fact that that Jesus Christ was a worker a man okay this feminized Christianity that Jesus wouldn't do anything and Jesus was was just going with the culture and going with the flow and was this weak and feeble and you know meek and mild Christ that you have in your mind that's not so and that's not true that's not so, and that's not true. And he wasn't this shampoo, uh, the shampoo hair model that 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 the uh, the Western Christianity has, uh, and the European um, uh, uh, cultures have portrayed him to be. Okay, they don't describe exactly what it looked like, but it lets you know he was nothing to look at. That's what made his message so powerful. That's what made everything he did so miraculously. Because they couldn't point to his humanity in order to say why he did what he did. It had to be because he was God. Not because he had a special a specialness about his aura. About his face. He was, he was a human. He took on an earth suit. And the word became flesh. The word became genomized, the Greek word, that produced a body. And this is the body it produced so that the power of God would be demonstrated and people would be shocked when he did what he did. The wisdom that he had that came out of his mouth because he didn't have a mouth that was different from anybody else in the culture. He didn't have, he didn't have ears that were different than everybody else and eyes different than anybody else. He had he had eyes and ears, nose and mouth that you wouldn't even look twice. So what does that tell you about some of the things that we're told and we look at the scripture and it's a direct contradiction. Okay. Now, when I look at this, I want, I want to bring this back, back to a theological perspective because it's highly theological. What I'm telling you. Okay. Because how you see Jesus affects everything, affects how you act, how you walk, how you talk, how you hold your Bible. And when you have this idea of Jesus that is helpless and weak and, and good looking and, and you know he plucks his eyebrows and, and you know trims his nails and he does and he wasn't carpeting, you take him completely out of context. If that's a Jesus you have in your mind that would not that would not confront sin, sickness, disease, then you don't you're not reading your Bible. You're believing, you're believing the culture. You're believing your churchisms, the things that the church pushes at you, pushes at you without checking with the word of God. 
And so when I look at this, okay, I look at Colossians chapter two, eight, and nine. This is very important because we're going to get into we're going to get into this this um, this issue of of the sissy Jesus that 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 uh, churches are are pushing out nowadays. Where he he doesn't he doesn't confront everything. He's he just wants the whole everybody to get along. You know, it's it's you know it's the. Um, it's a can we just get along mentality, you know, that uh, pervades in our culture. Oh, just love everybody. Just love, you know, it, it, it's going to be okay if we just get along with each other. Jesus wasn't about getting along. And when you look at your Bible, it's not about getting along. It's about getting it right. It's about seeing him right. And some will not see him right. Some will never let go of the image they have of their head of Jesus with the little lamb around his neck walking around the neighborhoods. And they won't look at scripture. Where he's, where he's, I love how I love how the Message Bible. I'll get into. We're gonna get into some theological concepts right now about this. But you know, I love what the Message Bible says because he breaks it down. There was nothing attractive about him. That's why when they try to draw him. You know, it goes into it, it. It goes into the Ten Commandments, where it says, "Thou shalt make no other graven images." How many have images, even though they are meant for good? They're completely biblically off base, and yet we have them hanging in our churches, hanging in our houses, hanging in all these places. We have these idols that that really take us away from the true biblical account of what Jesus was and what He looked like. Amen. You know, I hope you guys are enjoying this, but I am. This is my little rant for the day here on Prophetic Whispers. <laughs> and, and I love it. He says, there was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down upon and passed over. It's kind of, I like that word passed over. They, you know, I like how he just, you know, that if he was in a crowd, you would just walk right behind him. Okay, isn't that totally different that when um, when the Spirit of God came upon him, when he went into the, um, um, when he was baptized and the Holy Ghost came in and he drove him into the desert and then he went into the temple, how all of a sudden this wisdom just come out of it and they, and they said, isn't that the carpenter's son? In other words, there's nothing physically about him. That's the same guy, but all of a sudden he has a supernatural power. All of a sudden he has a supernatural wisdom. Why? Because... He was nothing. He was passed over. He, I mean, if he was on a basketball team, he was the shortest guy on the team. Come on. If he was on the soccer, he, if he was on the soccer team, if you're a soccer coach, you want those quick players, those big, strong, athletic players. Maybe he wasn't quick and strong. Think about it. You would have passed him over. You would have overlooked him. So when I look at Colossians chapter two, eight, and nine, okay. It says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophies and empty deceit. Okay? Be careful. Don't be cheated through philosophy. Philosophia, the love of knowledge. People that love their knowledge, like educators and philosophers and scientists that fall in love with their knowledge and their concepts, that they create their own world and they want you to believe it and they teach their precepts. You know, like we live in today, you know, believe the scientists, put three masks on, five masks on, social distance, six feet. Oh, now, now it's three feet. Oh, oh, now it's, now it's, well, you can gather if you get a vaccine. Just cut it out because they love their own 
philosophies. They love to control you. And what does he say? Don't be cheated. Don't let your cheat your your freedom as as a Christian, your freedom as an American, be cheated because you're believing philosophies from these scientists. That's exactly what Paul is writing to here about Colossians. That there are images out there, there are belief isms out there that will cheat you and rob you from your full potential in Christ. You must see Christ as He is, not as we like Him to be and not as if he has been told to us. I must discover him in scripture myself. I have to look at him myself and realize that he was God. What he did was because he was God that came in the flesh. The question isn't, was Jesus God? The question is, was God Jesus? Okay, that's the question where God, the incarnation, where God took on a human body, where God generated a human body and began to manifest his glory through this human body. He, he came in a vessel and began to pour out the glory of God all over the, the, Judean, um, the Judean valleys. Okay. It's just an amazing idea. But the philosophies, be careful of the philosophies. Listen, there are many things that are preached in church that are psychology and not biblical, biblically sound. They have biblical germs to them. They got thoughts from the Bible, you know, like whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things. Well, you don't just get off on a good thought. You have to get off on a right thought that will produce a good thought, a right a right orthodoxy, a right teaching, right? A right practice, a right orthopraxy, and then a right orthopathos, which is the right feelings about what you're going through. So you develop the right rhythms in your life. So here Paul writes, it says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through uh, philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, and not according to Christ. One of the problems I've had with the pandemic is the fact that the church forgot that Jesus was the healer. What, what was it, according to Christ, that we gave up? The divine healing, the atonement, okay? The power of God over sin, sickness, and disease. We gave up that week. Many people in the church gave that up. They gave it up to the government. They said, "Yeah, you're right. COVID is too big for is is too big for the church. It's too big for Jesus. It's too big." What did we give down? Okay, by their philosophy and by their science. Church, we are believers in God's word. We're not we're not we're not believers, and you know we just poke our eye to the Bible and and just keep our eye on the church. No, no, we are the church. We are Bible believing. Christians. We we are born again from the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. That's what Peter tells us. So watch this. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, in other words, in him, the, the Greek word enotoi means geographically and personally. In other words, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit was in Christ. Jesus was central, um, um, central station for the Godhead. Listen to this. This is important. This is theology. This is, this is Trinitarian, the three in one. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities. And I like that word dwells, okay? In him dwells. In him. Enotoi? Enotoi? Kadokai. Kadokai. Enotoi kadokai. In him dwells. That means the per permanency of deity. In other words, he was always God. 
He was always God in the flesh. He was God at all times. It was all inside of him. He was the gener- he was the geographical location of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit wherever he went. Okay? Now again, that 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 breeds to the doctrine of kenosis where he doesn't rely on his deity he relied on the spirit of god he was relying on the holy spirit he was he was relying he didn't he didn't grasp onto his deity as he walked as a man he relied on the holy spirit to teach us how to walk by the spirit if you want to know how to live by faith you look at the life of jesus if you want to know how to perform miracles you you look at the life of jesus everything flows from who jesus is jesus according i love how bill johnson always says jesus is perfect theology i must see him correctly so in the natural there's nothing i would look at jesus and say i'm gonna follow him because he's so good looking i'm oh my pastor so so I, oh he dresses so fly oh he dressed oh man he got wear skinny jeans and he don't wear suits no more and he just wears nice tight shirts and he's always in shape and he's got a, oh man he just got his stuff together his eyebrows are plucked and you know you know he's he's you know he's just so made up oh my my goodness he he's just so no cut it out cut it out there was nothing that you would look at jesus and physically be saved i'm gonna look at him again wrap your mind around that because it it it's it's kind of like it's kind of like what I'm doing to you today is I'm putting a black I'm putting a black um, sheet or black backdrop against a diamond. I want you to see the deity how it shines because of the humanity that Jesus was in. That they didn't know him. They didn't. They, they you wouldn't have looked at him twice. You wouldn't have gandered at him again and said, Oh, oh, he's so good looking. He must be God. Oh, he's got, oh, he's, he comes from the right family. He must be God. No, no. Why do you think it was so controversial to accept Christ as the Messiah? Because he didn't come the way he expected him to. He came humble. He came looking normal. He came looking to where you would pass over him if you didn't see and know who he was by what he did. It's important for you to understand. Not you got the contrast. Life is full of contrast. You'll never, you'll never change until you see a contrast. That's why, that's why, you know, hanging, hanging with people that that are just echo chambers. You never grow until you start getting contrast to your life. Can you start seeing the difference between this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because I see this. I saw you have a contrast. You have something to bounce it off. You have to get rid of this, this. Uh, ideology of of a shampoo hair jesus you know shampoo model jesus with a lamb around his neck and a shepherd's staff leading a bunch of sheep behind him that's not the jesus of the bible with the blonde hair and the blue eyes looking at you that's not what we're looking at but we are looking that within within that body within that temple within within the human the human form that jesus was in in there dwelt the Godhead body. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That's why Jesus says, I and the Father are one. 
And why do you think the Jews got all mad? Because Yahweh was one. He was calling himself Yahweh. He was calling himself the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, all these, all these, you know, all these uh, theological metaphors come out when you start opening this this type of statements up. In Him dwells the 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 fullness of the Godhead bodily. So in the body of Christ, He was. There's where the station of the the. The grand central station of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit dwelt in Christ. That's why Christ told Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, if you know the Father, you'll know me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John chapter 14. Why is that important? Because Jesus was exactly what the Father looked like, what the Father behaved like, what the Father acted like. The compassion and the love for the Father. Now, with that in mind, what about what about answering the questions of the culture? Okay? You know, because they try to separate Jesus from the Old Testament. Yeah, because they, they say, well, Jesus didn't Jesus didn't confront homosexuality. He didn't confront he didn't confront um, same sex marriage. He didn't confront that in the Old Testament. He didn't. Je- and I'm sorry, in the New Testament, Jesus never said anything about that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. See, because Jesus is part of the Godhead. So, what Christians like to do, they try to take they try to take the right side of the body and separate the Bible and separate him from the left side of the Bible. The right side meaning the New Testament. In other words, Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, and all the other genders that, uh, that uh, the culture is trying to produce, all the, all the confusion, all the breaking down of the family, all those things that, that, the, that the world and the culture is approving, that Jesus didn't say anything about that. Because he's too busy with the lamb on his shoulders and, uh, and you know, getting, hair, getting his hair done and looking nice and soft and meek and mild and wouldn't do anything. Well, who do you think? Who do you think was there in Genesis chapter 19, 18 and 19 with Sodom and Gomorrah? Because he is the part of the Godhead. He is in perfect agreement with the Old Testament. He is in perfect agreement and, you know they, they use that trick all the time well Jesus didn't say that and they try to they try to make they try to make the right side of the Bible different from the left side of the Bible not understanding that you need the you need the left side of the Bible to understand the right side and you need the right side to fully understand the left side because they're one and they try to separate Jesus from the law from the New Testament from the Old Testament you know, when Jesus speaks in, in Leviticus chapter chapter 18, I mean 21. I mean, listen to this. Okay? Listen, listen to listen to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 20, 21. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Moloch. What's that? That's abortion. They would sacrifice, you know, they would sacrifice the children to to Moloch. Moloch was a Moloch was a, an idol that had an open belly, meaning for carrying the babies, and they would throw the babies inside the belly to sacrifice to Moloch. That's how. And and, and God said, "Listen, to what God says. God says, nor shall you profane the name of your your God. I am the Lord. In other words, I'm God, not Moloch. You do not that, that again. That's the that's the abortion issue. 
Okay, it's the spirit of Moloch in our day. Jesus had plenty to say about it. He said, don't do it. And yet you have the church. You have the church that, well, Jesus didn't say anything about that. He's part of the Godhead. He's, he's, he's part of what endorsed Leviticus. Come on. See, you cannot take Jesus away from the Godhead. Well, Jesus never said anything about that. <laughs> no. He's God of the Old Testament. He's part of the Trinity in the Old Testament. When God says, let us make man in our image, uh, you know, in Genesis, you know, let us make man, meaning the plurality of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. He was there. And in Genesis, when God came down for Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent the two angels. Who do you think was with Abraham? It was a Christophany. It was the appearance of Christ meeting with Abraham, talking to Abraham. And the two angels went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus was there to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, if you even look at little brother Jude, Jude, Jude threw down on Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Jude. So he says, my big brother, my big brother endorses what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because he's part of the Godhead. You cannot separate the Godhead. And that's that's how the culture traps you. Is because what they want to say is, Jesus didn't say anything about this. They know he said it. They, they know it's in the Bible in the Old Testament. And they know it's in the Bible. And, and they don't want Jesus. They, they want to se separate Jesus from all that. No, no. Jesus is part of the Godhead. And that's why you must see Jesus correctly. You must see Jesus correctly. And that's why I put this little discussion together. Is that he's part of the Godhead. Okay? And we must get over this, this Jesus meek and mild and walking around doing nothing. That we have to get aggressive with our gospel. That we have to change the imagery in our minds. Because how we, how we see things in our minds drives behavior, drives attitude, drives perspectives. I got one last scripture for you before I, before I, I close this out today. Okay, Revelations, I know, Revelation 1, 4 through 8. I know part of my theological training is, is you know, it's not, it, Revelation it does not have an S. It's not Revelations, it's Revelation. It's like the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, or the revelation of Jesus. I like, I'll start with verse, uh, I'll start with John chapter, First uh, John 4 through, 4 through 8, it says this, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you, peace from, the, from him who is and was and is to come, okay? Now, if you look at, if you look at, at Revelation, what you'll find out is it, there is the rhythm of threes, okay? Grace to you and peace from him who is and who is to come. Okay? And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the things of heaven and earth. Watch this. Okay? Watch this. He is the faithful witness. Stay with me on that. He is the faithful witness. Okay? 
Why is that important? In other words, he has witnessed everything. He witnessed the fall of Adam. He witnessed the creation. He witnessed Moses. He witnessed everything. He is the faithful witness. He's the one that will not fail. He's the faithful witness. He's the one that made it through all and conquered sin and death. He is the faithful witness. You have to start seeing Jesus as a faithful witness, the one that did not fail, the one that overcame, the one that accomplished everything from him. He's a faithful witness. Watch this. Watch watch this because I'm closing right here. It says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins. How can he do that? Because he was sinless. He, oh, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why? Because he was a faithful witness and made us kings and priests to his God God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Everyone who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. He is the faithful witness. He is the Godhead. You cannot separate him. You cannot separate the right side of the Bible from the left side of the Bible, the Old Testament from the New Testament. He was there. He had everything to say about everything, and he was in perfect harmony with the Father in the judgments on all sin, on all issues, on all cultures. It's amazing. It's amazing. How people try to separate Jesus from the Godhead. They don't see him clearly. They don't see him as the Alpha, the Omega, the faithful witness, the beginning and the end. Take a good look at Jesus. Look at him again. But look at him through the biblical worldview of the scriptures. God bless you and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.